section twenty eight of the three lieutenants all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the three lieutenants by william henry giles kingston chapter twenty one part two tried a friend in need sent back to prison escape pursued jack as usual appears again at sea chase a slaver run over her at night next morning some time after daylight they heard a number of people collecting outside presently the door opened and a couple of men appeared with trays containing basins of broth and some dark-looking loaves of indian corn without speaking the men put the viands on the ground and hurried out of the room afraid apparently the prisoners might set upon them come at all events they don't intend to starve us though i can't say that this stuff looks very tempting remarked higson however as all hands were very hungry they ate up the food fortunately several of them having cigars or pipes in their pockets they sat down to console themselves with a smoke an hour or two passed away and they saw through their windows a larger crowd than before assembled among whom were a number of armed men though they were too irregularly dressed to be taken for soldiers we shall get more kicks than halfpence if we resist should they be come to take us anywhere so it will be wiser to go quietly observed higson i don't suppose that they really intend to injure us as he spoke the door opened and the armed men entering the whole party were dragged out and marched up each of them between a couple of guards through the village to a building which appeared to be a sort of court-house that it was so was evident on their entering when they found themselves placed together on one side of a large room at the end of which sat a burly-looking personage before a table and two men on either hand with paper and pens before them several persons whom they recognized as the leaders among their captors of the previous evening now came forward and addressed the judge or district magistrate he might have been more properly called the juiz de fora violently gesticulating and occasionally pointing at the prisoners what they said was put down on paper the judge nodding and trying to look very wise and sometimes frowning as he glanced towards the accused at last their captors came to an end of what they had to say the judge turned towards the englishmen to hear what reply they had to make in their defence now arose a considerable difficulty as higson had not understood a word of the accusation brought against him and his companions he was excessively bothered how to form a reply well norris what did the fellow say he asked i must get you to be our spokesman as to what they said i have not the slightest conception answered norris but i will try and make the judge understand who we are and that is the thing of most importance 
with such portuguese as he could command norris then tried to explain to the judge that they were a party of english officers on a pleasure excursion that they had no intention of committing any illegal act and that while he and his companions were quietly sitting on the ground they had been attacked by a number of people who had carried them up to prison and made off with their boat the judge gave norris to understand that though he had caught a word here and there he could not comprehend what had been said except as to their being english officers and that their very appearance contradicted such an assertion norris fortunately understood this remark and at once said that if their uniform jackets which were on board the boat were restored to them they would put them on very likely you may have the uniforms of british officers which you may have stolen perhaps after putting their owners to death observed the judge an assertion which appeared to highly please their captors in vain norris asserted that he spoke the truth the judge evidently sided with their accusers and he was about to order that they should be taken back to prison when a negro from the farther end of the court made his way up to them me sangaree jack understand all you say sar once serve on board english man-of-war these here fellows say dey hang you up on de trees to-morrow if you no show who you are well sangaree jack that is pleasant information observed higson but how can you help us me go down to english man-of-war and tell all dat you say and dey den send up on boats to make dese fellows let you go answered the negro i shall be very glad to accept your offer said higson and the sooner you start the better all right massa lieutenant but me no go for nothing you sabby answered sangaree jack with a knowing look well then we will give you ten dollars that will be handsome won't it said higson sangaree jack grinned till his mouth almost pushed back his ears to allow it full expression as he answered ten dollars oh no massa dat not enough then suppose we double it said higson oh no massa twenty dollars not enough at last after a little more bargaining sangaree jack agreed for thirty dollars to go down and carry information as to what had happened on board the corvette well massa lieutenant where de dollars though asked the black with a cunning leer the dollars you will get them when we are set free my friend said higson i never do anyting o dat sort on trust sare answered the negro grinning but suppose we have not got the dollars you will lose them and we shall remain in the prison observed higson oh buck officers always carry dollars answered the black just try what the young gentlemen's got in dere pockets possibly we may have some of the money among us said higson not willing to trust the fellow altogether suppose you take fifteen dollars and then we will pay the remainder when the boats come up come fair play is a jewel massa lieutenant know how to manage tings grinned blackie come i take fifteen dollars and you see i true man honour bright among teves you know you trust me and i trust you he 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 and blackie grinned at his own wit the dollars were with some difficulty collected among them 
don't let de people see what you give me said blackie putting his fingers to his thick lips and looking very wise i tell dese rascals that i got a little money to buy some wine and utter tings i tell dem too dat i know you english officers and dat dey better take care what dey do the money was conveyed into sangaree jack's large paws without any remark being made by the people in court sangaree jack then addressed the court and though norris could not make out exactly what he said it had some effect as the judge bowed to them as they left the court and they were afterwards treated with more respect their new friend then hurried off assuring them that he would lose no time in getting down the harbour the party were now marched back to prison amidst the cries and hooting of the populace at all events they don't intend to lynch us said tom that's one comfort if each of us had a good shillelagh in our hands we would be after making them sing a different tune exclaimed desmond turning round every now and then and casting a contemptuous look on the mob hickson and archie gordon walked on however in an unconcerned manner thinking it more dignified to take no notice of the ill-feeling shown by the people they were thankful when at last they got back to their prison messes somewhat similar to those they had in the morning were again brought to them norris asked the man if they could not purchase something better and offered a dollar if he would bring them some fruit stop a little and i will see what can be done he answered in portuguese an hour or two more passed by which time the people had gone away when the same man again appeared at the window and bringing a large basket of oranges and other fruit he asked for the dollar you shall have it when you have given us its value in fruit but not until then my friend answered norris holding it up the man knowing that they could not run away thought that he might trust them and threw the oranges and limes and grapes and other fruit through the bars of the window when they were eagerly caught by the thirsty prisoners the fruit was not worth a quarter the sum the man received so he was well contented and signified that he would bring some more next day for a second night they were shut up they could only hope that sangaree jack would prove faithful and inform their friends of the treatment they had received but suppose he does not said desmond we may be kept here till we starve no great fear of that said higson rogers and several others know that we were going up the harbour and if we don't appear boats will be sent to look for us before long the following morning better provisions were sent to them and not long afterwards they were again marched up to the court-house the same farce as on the previous day was gone through and no interpreter appearing the judge and his assistants left the court as wise as they entered it while the prisoners were unable to make out of what crime they were accused it was just possible that they might have been sent out and shot had not the judge entertained some strong suspicions that their account of themselves was true and that if they were ill-treated he and the inhabitants of his village would be made seriously to suffer however once more they were sent back to prison very naturally considerably indignant at the scandalous way in which they were being treated some of the party indeed began to entertain doubts whether sangaree jack would prove faithful perhaps being a cunning fellow he might be contented with the fifteen dollars and avoid the risk he might run of being punished by the brazilians should they discover that he had carried information to the english ships of what had taken place even higson began to fear that they had been duped i think that it's high time that we should try and set ourselves free at all events he said 
after sitting silent for some time though we may be unable to escape either through the window or roof perhaps we may make our way under the walls and if we are once outside we may get hold of the sentry's arms and manage to reach our boat all agreed to higson's proposal archie gordon and desmond were stationed at the window to give notice should any one attempt to look in while the rest carefully examined the ground round the walls a soft spot was found and they agreed that it would be easy to excavate it with their knives and pieces of the bench which had been easily wrenched off believing nobody would come in for the remainder of the day they at once set to work and before long had dug a tunnel through which snatchblock could creep and he declared that he could easily force the ground up on the outside the earth as they took it out they rammed under the benches they had observed that the hut in which they were confined stood in an open space by the side of a road so that people only passed in front of it this greatly assisted them and prevented the risk of discovery for the ground above their tunnel was so thin that any one stepping on it would have inevitably fallen through the whole work was completed soon after nightfall they then waited anxiously till the sounds in the village should have ceased now the sooner we are off the better said higson snatchblock and i will creep out first and seize the sentry and the rest of you follow directly you find that we have got hold of him let me go first sir said snatchblock my shoulders are best fitted for shoving up the earth higson agreed to this and they crept into their tunnel snatchblock had taken a piece of board which he put on his shoulders and giving a hearty shove up through the earth and out he came into the open air higson and the rest followed while the two first crept cautiously round the hut the remainder crouched down snatchblock waited till the sentry came close to the end of the wall then making a spring he clapped his hands over the man's mouth while higson seized his musket they then dragged him back and putting a piece of wood to serve as a gag into his mouth they secured his hands and feet with their handkerchiefs and pulled him through the tunnel into the hut now said desmond we have got a musket some pieces of wood in our fists and as we shall probably find some thick sticks as we go along it ought to take a good many brazilians to recapture us on going to the court-house they had observed the water of the harbour shining in the distance and they therefore knew the direction to take keeping outside the village they were making their way to the brow of the hill on which it stood when they came suddenly on a large farmhouse out of which several dogs rushed barking furiously the animals however contented themselves with making a noise without venturing to attack the strangers but the noise was what they had to dread lights were soon seen in the windows and directly afterwards a party of men appeared at the door armed with blunderbusses and pistols higson knowing that if they ran both dogs and men would follow halted and presenting his musket told norris to order the men to stand back or that he would fire they appeared to understand what they said for they all hurried back into the house but as they did so two of them let fly their blunderbusses fortunately no one was hit but the slugs came whizzing over their heads now we must run for it cried higson whatever we do though keep together the noise of the blunderbusses aroused the inhabitants of several neighbouring houses some of whom came out while others discharged their firearms from their windows this of course aroused the whole village and it soon became known that the english pirates had escaped 
higson and his party were in the meantime making the best of their way down the hill though as they were unacquainted with the road they were uncertain whether they were directing their course for the landing-place they could tell by the sounds that a large body of men were collecting in their rear higson regretted that they had not waited till a later hour in the night when all the inhabitants would have retired to rest the road was extremely rough and uneven such as it would have been difficult to traverse rapidly even in the daytime tom had a severe tumble and then down came gerald while poor archy gordon found it very difficult to get along their pursuers who knew the road were gaining on them it won't do to be taken running said higson at length they reached an open space on one side of the road higson called a halt and facing about said i will see if i can't make the fellows keep their distance the brazilians in considerable force some with firearms in their hands and others with pikes or ox goads were seen not a hundred yards off coming towards them at that moment the tramp of feet was heard in the rear we are surrounded i am afraid said higson but we won't give in notwithstanding the party from the opposite side came rapidly on and to higson's surprise the brazilians suddenly halted and began to talk in excited voices to each other the tramp of feet grew louder and louder when by the light of the moon which by the by it should have been said was shining brightly higson and his companions as they looked along the road saw a dozen bluejackets and as many marines coming towards them with an officer at their head who was quickly recognized as jack rogers he and the rest were soon shaking hands when jack told them that as soon as notice was brought on board of what had happened murray had sent him and his party off in a couple of boats and that on landing and hearing the firing he had hurried up thinking it possible that his assistance might be required then sangaree jack proved faithful and told you the position in which we have been placed said higson yes massa and he well gained de odor fifteen dollars exclaimed the black coming out from among the bluejackets behind whom he had concealed himself no sooner did the brazilians perceive the english party than away they scampered as fast as their legs could carry them jack determined at once to go to the judge's house and to demand satisfaction for the insult which had been offered to the majesty of england in the persons of some of her naval defenders and his black namesake undertook to guide him there the magistrate aroused out of his first sleep by hearing his door-bell ringing violently was naturally in a great fright and stood trembling and bowing as jack walked into the house he excused himself on the plea that he had no notion the prisoners were english officers fully believing that they were pirates as the people who had captured them had asserted he acknowledged however that most of the said officious personages were connected with slave-dealers and that he had little doubt they had committed the outrage to revenge themselves for the number of vessels which had been captured by the english ships of war jack and his party with the rescued prisoners declined accepting the magistrate's offered hospitality and having received all the apologies he could make went back to the boats which some of the natives had even ventured to approach having lighted fires to serve the double purpose of cooking their provisions and keeping off the mosquitoes they passed the night seated round them next morning the magistrate attended by several of the principal people in the place trembling in their shoes came down and again tendered the most abject apologies for what had occurred 
the captured boat was soon afterwards seen coming round the point and being brought alongside by a black crew who had been placed in her by the brazilians she was found not only to contain all the arms and other articles which had been taken but six fat pigs several dozen ducks and fowls with heaps of oranges and other fruit which the magistrate begged the english officers would accept as a peace offering again he declared that what had happened had been from no fault of his that the rascally slave-dealers had sworn that the people they had captured were pirates and he had only acted according to his duty in judging the case brought before him he took great credit to himself for allowing the negro sangaree jack to go down to the ships of war and hoped that this would prove the honesty of his intentions rogers having received instructions not to push matters to extremities accepted the old gentleman's apology he would have shown his disinterestedness had he sent down himself without allowing our friend sangaree here the opportunity of doing us out of our thirty dollars observed higson ah blackie how many is the old fellow to get of them sangaree jack gave one of his broadest grins one half massa lieutenant as i a gentleman he bigger rascal than all the rest he one slave dealer hisself ah 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 and the negro chuckled with delight rubbed his hands and twisted and wriggled about till he set the boat's crew all laughing whether the fellow's description of the magistrate was correct or not rogers felt that he could take no further steps in the matter no one having fortunately really suffered damage or hurt beyond the inconvenience of being shut up in a dirty hut for a couple of nights a pleasant breeze blowing down the harbour the boats made sail and in a few hours reached the ships the next day the tudor and supplejack were again at sea having received orders to cruise along the brazilian coast in search of slavers the ships got some way to the northward of rio when murray directed jack to keep in shore as close as he could venture while he himself stood off the land they might thus hope to fall in either with vessels fitted for the slave trade about to cross to the african coast or with full slavers attempting to make a brazilian port the latter class it was of course the most desirable to capture though should the former be taken it would materially assist to put a stop to the traffic and save a certain number of blacks from undergoing for a time at all events the horrors of a middle passage the tudor shortly after daybreak was standing in under easy sail for the land when from the masthead a schooner was observed beating up against the breeze which then blew off the shore the rays of the rising sun striking her canvas bringing her clearly into view murray ordered all sail to be made and hoped to gain on the chase before the corvette was observed by her as the supplejack was likely to be inside of her there was every probability of her being caught by one or the other it was soon evident however that she had made out the corvette as she was seen to set all sail and to stand away to the northward as the tudor was a long way to leeward the chase would probably be a long one from the appearance and movements of the schooner murray was convinced that she was a slaver with a cargo on board and he determined therefore to persevere till he could come up with her and ascertain her real character the land was barely visible and the supplejack might therefore be a long way off in shore and not yet have caught sight of the chase 
the day wore on and the tutor had gained considerably on her when about six bells in the forenoon the sails gave some ominous flaps against the masts and the wind dropping more and more the corvette lay almost becalmed with only just steerage way as the schooner was however likewise almost becalmed she did not gain any advantage from this circumstance a light wind in a short time again filled the corvette's sails but as it was continually shifting all hands were on deck employed in hauling on the braces as necessity required now the corvette gained slightly on the chase now the schooner's sails felt the breeze and she once more glided along through the smooth water she seems to be heaving something overboard sir said desmond to higson who was standing on the forecastle with him yes indeed said higson looking through his telescope there goes one of her boats now she has lowered another the fellows are determined to make their escape if they can she is heaving overboard cask after cask and plank and spare spar she must have a full cargo or she would not do that we shall catch her though notwithstanding i hope they won't heave any of the poor negroes overboard that is what i've heard the slavers do when hard pressed observed desmond the fellows would do it fast enough if they thought that we should stop to pick up the unfortunate creatures and give them a better chance of getting off answered higson but our commander won't let the poor wretches drown surely remarked desmond no i should think not indeed said higson i have never actually seen that done but i have heard from others of half a dozen negroes being hove overboard and if they were not carried off by sharks picked up by a british cruiser and the scoundrel slaver captured notwithstanding i hope we shall catch that fellow then at all events said desmond there is many a slip between the cup and the lip youngster observed higson depend on it however that we will do our best as long as we can keep the schooner in sight by this time every possible article had been hove overboard from the schooner and it was thought that even the water from her leaguers had been pumped out and the stores and provisions from her hold thrown into the sea as the corvette got up to the spot where she had been at the time casks and spars were seen floating on every side together with the boats hen-coops and other articles she benefited by the proceeding for she now once more drew considerably ahead of the corvette both vessels were however soon afterwards becalmed and murray began to consider the advisability of sending the boats in chase adair begged leave to command them and desmond and the rest were delighted at the thoughts of a hand-to-hand -hand tussle with the slaver crew when just as the men were coming aft to lower the boats the sails were once more filled and a fresh breeze from the eastward sprang up the schooner felt it at the same moment when keeping before the wind she rigged out her studding sails and lightened as she was she skimmed like a bird over the blue ocean murray ordered studding sails and royals to be set and kept the tutor away towards the chase which however it was soon evident gained on her both vessels were now rising the land sail on the port bow cried the lookout from aloft that must be rogers exclaimed murray and before long the supplejack was made out standing to the northward so as it was hoped to cut off the chase no sooner did the schooner discover her then taking in her studding sails she hauled to the wind the corvette did the same and had now to depend on her own speed more than on the assistance she could obtain from the supplejack the chase now became more exciting than ever the breeze freshened and both vessels tore along through the water 
their bows as they clove their way through it throwing up masses of sparkling foam while they left a long white line in their wake the wind after some time again shifting to the southward both the schooner and her pursuer once more set studding sails the former somewhat edging in towards the land behind which the bright sun was rapidly sinking i would give a half-year's pay if we could but catch her exclaimed snatchblock to some of his messmates if night comes on before we are up to her she may give us the go-by after all the wind which had been variable all day still continued so and now once more came from the eastward the chase immediately took advantage of it to alter her course the corvette had now gained greatly on her i think our bow-chasers will reach her said murray try them adair we will see if we can knock away some of her spars the excitement on board increased and every one now felt as if the chase was already within their grasp the gun was run out murray gave the word fire scarcely had its loud report rung through the air than his voice again was heard all hands shorten sail and studding sails and royals let fly tacks and sheets the corvette had been taken aback but every man was at his station and the sails came in without the loss of a royal or a studding sail boom as soon as the sails were handed and the ship wearing round was put before the wind the chase was eagerly looked for she was seen running before the wind for the northeast her bearings being taken the corvette steered directly for her but darkness which had been rapidly coming on now hid her from sight and even the most sanguine gave up all hopes of finding her again still murray determined to keep after her as light as she was he was convinced that with a strong wind blowing she would continue before it the first watch was set the watch below turned in and many a grumble was heard at their ill success adair who was officer of the watch was walking the deck with desmond by his side the wind still blowing fresh he had his eye aloft on the spars ready to shorten sail should it increase the sea however was tolerably smooth a few stars only could be seen among the clouds which passed rapidly across the sky the night was therefore rather darker than usual the wind whistled shrilly in the rigging and desmond declared that he could hear strange sounds coming across the waters a sharp lookout was of course kept ahead and hopes were still entertained that the chase might possibly be again sighted snatchblock who was on the forecastle hailed in a loud sharp voice sail ahead the chase the chase that's her no doubt about it adair and desmond hurried forward but by the time they reached the forecastle no sail was to be seen snatchblock however was positive that he had not been mistaken he rubbed his eyes in vain and peered into the gloom she was certainly not visible adair who had returned aft was pacing the deck when suddenly a tremendous shock was felt he and others on deck were nearly thrown off their legs and a cry arose of we are on shore we are on shore the watch below came tumbling up on deck fully believing that the ship had struck one of the hands seizing a lead-line sprang into the chains and hove it what induced you to do that asked adair i thought we had struck on a rock sir was the answer you found no bottom no sir we must have run over the chaise heaven be merciful to the poor creatures exclaimed murray who unperceived had just come on deck she must have attempted to haul her wind to alter her course and being too much lightened capsized 
desmond and several others who had run aft declared they saw several objects like the heads of human beings floating for an instant on the surface but when they looked again they had disappeared not a cry not a sound of any sort had been heard at that instant probably some four or five hundred human beings chained in the hold of the slave-ship with their white captors had been carried into eternity next morning the tutor spoke the supplejack which however had seen nothing of the chase no manner of doubt remained that she had been capsized and that the tutor had run over her during the night End of chapter twenty one